Now, we're uh, into part three of our series called This Jesus Life, and two weeks ago, Pete Moody kicked it off for us with a look at Colossians 1 and that wonderful chapter on the supremacy of Christ and uh, understanding how Jesus is our rescuer. And then last week, Stacy led us on the topic of soaking in Jesus uh, from Colossians 2, and she gave us that great image of a crusty wheat bix bowl needing to soak so that it can be made clean. And I've certainly had a few reminders throughout the, the week, some visual reminders in our sink, uh, about how we need to be immersed in Jesus to soften those hard and stubborn parts that, that need to be cleansed. Today we're moving on into uh, Colossians chapter 3 and looking at the transforming power of Jesus from, from this magnificent chapter. Uh, but before we start, I just want to mention something. One thing I really enjoy about this time of year is hearing about how all of uh, the young people we know who finished school last year, they're, they're just starting in new courses and new jobs and um, trades. And there's some really exciting things that have come out of our community church family here. So I'm thinking of um, young people like Jackson and Katie and Braden and Luke and uh, Sarah and Jacob and Alyssa and... Others, and you probably know some who are moving on to, to new things, and it's great to see how uh, they are fanning into flames the, God, uh, the gifts that God has given them. Um, now, that's a bit of church family news, and, and we should be mindful of those young people as, you know, in the coming weeks, life is changing for them. Um, but it's also an intro to the topic that we're thinking about today. In this Jesus life, we should all be graduating, going on to new things because of what we've already learned. And today, as we read from Colossians 3, Paul builds an argument about how we should be transformed by the truths of uh, Jesus that we've learned in the previous chapters. So let's pray uh, again. We've already prayed, but we're going to do it again. It's good to do. Uh, and then we'll have a look at Colossians 3. Lord, thank you that we can be here today together. And Lord, we thank you for the young people in our church family. Thank you for the gifts and experiences you've given them. And as they head off into a new phase of life, we ask you to watch over them. May they stay strong in their faith and fan into flames the gifts that you've given them so that they may love and serve you with their lives. Thank you that you reveal yourself to us. And as we learn from you, we invite you to transform us. Make us the people you want us to be. May your word speak to our hearts and minds this morning. Amen. Okay, we're going to take a look at this passage in three parts this morning, and I'd like to just outline the shape of it uh, before we start reading it. So having met Christ in the previous chapters, the structure of this chapter goes like this. Christ transforms our hearts and minds, our behaviours, and our feelings, and one flows to the next. So let's read verses 1 to 4. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears... Then you will also appear with him in glory. 
But we're not to be consumed with earthly things, but to set our hearts and minds on the things above. And that means our desires and our thought life. These should be transformed in response to the things that we know about Jesus. There's more to life than our earthly present issues. And Paul is asking us to realise that we are part of a bigger story than the here and now. Here's another way to have a look at it. Have you ever taught a learner driver how to drive? One of the most important things is where they're looking, right? So if they spend too much time looking at the dashboard or the gear stick or worse, the pedals, you're going to get pretty nervous if they're driving. They're supposed to be looking out in front, even hundreds of metres in front. They're meant to have that big picture. And they're supposed to be looking in the mirrors too and seeing what's behind them. To drive well, they need a situational awareness. They need to understand where they are in the bigger picture and not to be consumed with what's right in front of them. In this passage, Paul is telling us to get our hearts and minds right by lifting our eyes from the earthly things that preoccupy us and to see where we're headed. Also, to glance back and see what Christ has done for us. He wants us to have a bigger view of life than where we spend most of our days uh, and the things that we're consumed with. A spiritual situational awareness uh, is what he wants for us. Uh, and to continue with that analogy, something that would help us to drive our way through life better. So what are the sort of earthly matters that consume us that we need to look up from? Well, some of these things are bad and they reflect our, our fallen nature. Uh, some of the things we're consumed with are our shallow ambitions, our petty insecurities, our self-absorbed need to be valued and appreciated by others, or our greed for things that just won't last and won't satisfy. We need to lift our eyes from these things or we're going to crash. We need that spiritual situational awareness so that we can see there are things that matter more than a lot of the stuff that we fill up our thought life and our desires with. But there are also some earthly matters that consume us and it's not directly because of our fallen nature ourselves but because of the fallenness of the whole world in which we live. Um, the entire creation is, is fallen and broken and because of that, we, we have earthly matters that impact us and, and affect us and consume us. So whether we're overwhelmed with stressful work or chronic illness or broken relationships or shattered dreams or if we're living with hurts or regrets or grief or injustice, these are earthly concerns too um, and, and they're genuine. And we all, at times at least have to face these sort of earthly con uh, concerns that can consume us. But again, if we can lift our eyes to the journey that we're on, we might live our days more thankfully and more hopefully. If we take time to look in that rear vision mirror and see redemption, what Christ has done for us, and if we look up the road ahead and we see restoration ahead of us, it'll help us to get there and help us to, uh, to stay on the right track. And I know uh, amongst us, there's lots of people who have really genuine and uh, deep and ongoing struggles, and I don't want to be glib about it. 
but surely turning our hearts and minds to the supremacy of Christ and the hope that we have in him, surely that's going to help us through the difficult days. Uh, Let me offer another illustration, jigsaw puzzles. I wonder if there's a few people who might have done a bit more jigsaw puzzling in the last year uh, with all those lockdowns. What's the most important piece in a jigsaw puzzle? Is it the edge piece or is it the, uh, the corner piece? Is it something that's sort of got a distinctive flash of colour so that you know where it fits? Is it, is it the last piece because it's satisfying, because it goes in and you've done it? Well, I would like to suggest that the most important piece is the box lid. And without the big picture on the box lid, we have no idea what we're doing, right? Uh, And we see many people trying to live their lives, trying to jam the pieces together and uh, frustrated because they don't know what they're doing. Um, The pieces just don't go where they should. When we see the big picture of who we are, of what our identity truly is and what Christ has done for us and what hope we have ahead of us, then the pieces of our life start to fit together better. Let's read on now about how our behaviours are transformed as a result of knowing our place in the bigger picture. So this is in two parts. There's the things that we've got to get rid of and the things that we've got to take on. So let's read the first part of how our behaviours need to transform and we'll have a look at uh, verse 5 there in Colossians 3. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Put to death, Paul says. It's a brutal image. First century Christians would have thought of crucifixion. They would have most likely seen crucifixions on the the roads to the cities where the the Romans displayed their victims. Christ was crucified to save us and now that that price has been paid, we must put to death the things of the earthly nature. And Paul gives us two lists here of things that we need to put to death, things that we need to kill off. The first list is of terrible, scandalous things. Sexual immorality, evil desires, greed. These are destructive things, right? And I'm sure you've heard the headlines over the years, things like this TV evangelist caught in sex scandal, priest accused of child abuse, or Christian leader embezzles charity funds. These sorts of stories are too common and they're absolutely devastating. They bring down churches and ministries and schools, families, careers and reputations. 
They're a terrible witness to the community, utterly destructive. And verse 6 says, in no uncertain terms, the wrath of God is coming. And there will be justice one day for those who have been the victims of such evil. But our transformation in Christ is not only sparing us from these gross sins, these sort of headline disasters of behaviour. We must also deal with the more day-to-day things. And that's what Paul's calling uh, the Colossians to here. The second list of things is, it's not so scandalous, it's not so high profile, but it's far more common. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, lies. These are the things that happen in our households, our classrooms, our workplaces, our club rooms, our church halls. And we're called to be better than that. I've been either a volunteer or an employee in Christian organisations for about 30 years now. And in those years I've seen maybe two or three sort of major scandals and they've been like a house fire in terms of how destructive they are for for people. But I've seen lots of incidents of Christians behaving badly and I'm sure I've been responsible for many of those instances as, as well. And that's more like termites eating away at the stumps Uh, that a ministry is built on. But if we come back to that big picture and we're living with the perspective of what Christ has done for us and how we're heading for a reunion with him, we have to set our hearts and minds on living that reality and not reverting to our sinful nature. Paul's imagery is about getting changed or donning and doffing if you're a medical person or dealing with PPE putting old things off and putting new things on. It's a theme that carries through in other writings in the New Testament. For example, in Ephesians chapter 4, it says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Have a look at this. This is Exhibit A, a favourite old T-shirt. Admittedly, it's a bit uh, threadbare and torn and it has some stains here. I'm not sure if that's two-stroke oil or barbecue sauce, actually. Um, But apparently, when your T-shirt gets to the point where it's so threadbare that you can actually have a, a chest hair poke through the threadbare bits. At, at that point, guys, it, you're already meant to have changed it. Um, that's what Val reckons anyway. Um, <laughs> that's, that's no good. That's no good to anyone. That's not even going to the op shop. That's going to the rag pile. That's just the old and it needs to go and, and be replaced. And that's really the imagery of what Paul's talking about here. We've got to get rid of this old self and present ourselves better to the world as followers of Christ. Let's read on and see what Paul says we're meant to put on in this process of of transformation. Let's pick it up at verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. 
Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Now, at the start of that section, there's another little perspective setter, you know, just to think about that, that big picture again. We're chosen, holy, dearly loved. Let's live up to that. And what follows is a beautiful description of how we should clothe ourselves and how we should present ourselves to the world unashamed. So what do you need to clothe yourself in out of that list? What do you need to put on as part of the new self? Do you think maybe a bit of kindness would go with the rest of the outfit? Is your patience looking like it maybe went out of style a couple of years ago? Humility would look good on you. And compassion would be just the right fit. And if you could accessorise with a little gentleness, that would just set off the whole ensemble. These things are a good look because that's how we ought to look in the big picture of what Christ has done for us. Now let's move on to the third part of the passage. And here we will see how our Lord and Saviour transforms not only our hearts and minds, that's our desires and our thought life, not only our behaviours, but also our feelings. So let's read from verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of, Lord, of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Well, who here naturally feels peaceful, thankful, wise, full of praise and gratitude? I don't think that sounds like a natural state or a default setting for most of us, does it? And it's certainly not our, our, where our fallen nature takes us. The, the natural drift of our human nature is not towards these things. Without God at work in us, we drift towards the opposite. Anxiety, jealousy, bitterness, resentment. But when we're transformed by that spiritual situational awareness and that big picture leading to the transformation of our character and our behaviour, what follows is good feelings because we become comfortable with where God's put us in his big picture. And the passage here acknowledges that this transformation happens individually but also corporately. We need each other, right? In this section of Colossians, it talks about doing it together. We need each other to teach, to admonish, to sing with, to encourage, to work alongside, and together we become the people that God wants us to be. So to conclude this whole uh, series from knowing about Jesus and his supremacy in chapter 1 to soaking in that truth in chapter 2 to being transformed in chapter 3. This is, this is the Jesus life. 
Our hearts and minds need to be changed by those truths. Our desires, our habits of our thought life, our behaviours need to change. The old self needs to go and the new needs to be put on. And through that process, we have this peacefulness and this gratitude and this hopefulness that Paul describes here and we're truly transformed people. Let me finish by reading verse 17 once more. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Thank you.